Star Wars 7x7 episode 2236. Today, the second half of my interview with Sarah Kuhn, the author of the Dr. Afra audio drama. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So yesterday we shared the first half of the interview with Sarah Kuhn, who is the author of the Dr. Afra audio drama that adapts and expands upon her story as depicted in the comics. And today I've got the other half. Just to refresh you about Sarah, she is the author of the popular heroine complex novels. That's heroine with an E. It's a series starring Asian American superheroes. She is also the author of a Japan set YA romantic comedy and a Batgirl Cassandra Kane graphic novel for DC. She's written assorted short fiction, nonfiction, and comics about geeks Aliens, Romance, and Barbie. Yes, that Barbie. And you can visit her online at heroinecomplex.com. Again, heroin with an E. She is Sarah Kuhn on Twitter. That's K-U-H-N. And on this second half of the interview, we're going to talk about drawing from other genres to tell Star Wars stories. We're going to talk about the joy and <laughs> challenge of writing for Triple Zero, that murderous protocol droid. We're going to talk about a few other things too and I'm just very excited to share the rest of this interview with Sarah Kuhn with you. So without further ado, here is that back half of that interview with Sarah Kuhn, the author of the Dr. Afra audio drama. I, I do want to circle back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier about just Afra's realization about wanting to be alive, like that she might actually want to be alive and that she was kind of lucky and when you said it in my head, the the line from Hamilton that they repeat from time to time, look at how lucky we are to be alive right now, kept ringing in. And I wanted to ask you about external influences. When people talk about Star Wars stories, a lot of times what they say is that, you know, Star Wars is terrific in general because it's not just self-referential. It also brings in outside influences and, you know, makes it, you know, unique through its own lens. And I wanted to ask you about your own, like, external influences. Like, what do you feel like you brought from outside the Star Wars galaxy into this story? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a couple things. I mean, I mentioned romance earlier, and I think, um, you know, I'm a big uh, romance novel reader I and the the books that I write my um my original series heroine complex which is my Asian American superheroine series those are kind of urban fantasy slash paranormal romance they sort of sit right on the line mm -hmm. um, romance is very important to me and um when people have asked me like what was your kind of first ship like what was your OTP what's the couple you kind of imprinted on that made you want to like do this um, it's, it's Han and Leia. It's still mm -hmm. Han and Leia. And I, I think, um, that relationship in the, the original trilogy was so, uh, beautifully done, especially for like a 12 year old with awakening hormones. <laughs> and so, um, I always kind of think back to that and, and what I liked about it and how some of the, the Star Wars novelizations kind of expanded it. Um, and I think, um, in this, it's sort of the reminder that, you know, in romance, like, especially if you're writing a romance where it's, it doesn't necessarily have a ton of like external factors or external, external conflicts, like 
my super superhero novels do have a lot of external conflicts because the world is always just about to end and <laughs> they have to save it. And so like, they're always getting, getting interrupted and you know, there's stuff like that. But I've also written contemporary where it's our world and it's, you know, these two people and there are, are external conflicts, but a lot of what you're homing in on are what are those two people feeling every step of the way mm -hmm. and that's something I have to remind myself a lot of when I'm writing my superheroine books is like if Lee maybe stepped away from the romance for a couple of scenes I'm like okay right what are these two people feeling right in this moment and I actually think that's a, a really good tool for all writers of, of any kind of stories um, what are the what is this character feeling in this moment how has it progressed from the last moment sometimes we're so busy with the plot bits and bobs that we forget about that mm -hmm. um, and it's obviously something that I think is is really what makes stories sing I mean at the end of the day we don't necessarily care about all the external, you know, bits and bobs or this cool bit of world building I did or, you know, the, the superpowers I came up with. Mm -hmm. What I care about is the, the characters and what they're going through. Um, so I'm sorry, someone I think is mowing the lawn outside. Can you still <laughs> hear me okay? I can hear you just <laughs> fine. That's okay. Okay, good. If, if you have any problems, let me know. I do have earbuds, but they like, they fall out of my ears and it becomes <laughs> distracting. Anyway. I, I'm, it's always like right when I get on a call that someone's like, I better mow the lawn right now. But um, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like um, something I definitely thought about here because uh, especially since we're sort of taking these events as they've occurred in the comics, sometimes from her POV, sometimes kind of an omniscient POV, sometimes Vader's POV, and now we're just in her POV. Um, I really did think about that every step of the way. What is she feeling in this moment? Um, especially when, since what she's saying doesn't always line up with what she is feeling. So that's like kind of another layer you have to, mm -hmm. you have to project. Um, but yeah, I, that, so like, uh, romance novels and, um, that also helped me in thinking about like the sort of how these, um, these swoonier feelings would, would, would come through, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's that scene in uh, the classroom, which is, I think when she first sees Sana and, mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I listened to that, the, the audio book together. And when that scene came on, he was laughing because when she sees her, it sounds like Emily's performance is so good. It sounds like her head like swivels around. Yep. <laughs> Her voice also drops like an octave. Like it's it's really like oh okay like that's what's happening. So that was like an, you know another thing I kind of took from romance novels and the romance that I write. Um, and then um, I guess you know I'm not sure if it's an influence so much as just how I write. But Elizabeth told me that I was kind of her you know, her first and only choice for this, and mm. which I, I really was very flattered by. And she said it was because of heroin complex, you know, ah. which is again, my adult series. And those are, you know, first person, very fast paced, very ridiculous. Like the, the, they have things like, um, you know, demon cupcakes and like <laughs> supernatural karaoke. And so I think, I think that sort of first person, like snappy, female protagonist vibe and then um the the kind of over the top ridiculous but still with that undercurrent of hopefully very real emotion uh was kind of maybe what made her think I was good for this mm -hmm. uh, so that was something that I also really tried to bring to it was um that vibe and that 
mood and you know obviously it's a little bit different because it is someone else's character and someone else's franchise um but i still kind of wanted to to preserve that idea of mm -hmm. like okay this is this is why they wanted me specifically to to do this right and you do bring that vibe and i'm glad that you mentioned the romance thing because honestly i think that's probably one of the aspects of star wars that doesn't get talked about a lot and you know particularly the movies but that i do think is so crucial to its success i i truly believe that and you mentioned heroin complex your series of novels that's something i wanted to ask you about as well in the sense of in previous works you get to invent everything from scratch and obviously here you are taking you know existing ip and you know obviously you get to do fun stuff with it but there is a lot of stuff that already exists that you have to you know work with so does that affect how you go through the process of writing of plotting of planning how does that work for you yeah it definitely does i mean i've, I've written a decent amount of ip at, at this point so i feel like i was still intimidated by this because <laughs> star wars it's like the one that everyone wants and that I certainly wanted very badly. And, you know, it's been part of my life since I was born pretty much. <laughs> so um, it is like there is kind of initial intimidation factor that maybe isn't so much there with your own work, you know, with, with that, with my series, like there is a little bit of that now because since it is, um, uh, let's see, four books in, there mm -hmm. are like fans who have ideas about like, you know, what they want or like what they want to happen with certain characters. And then, you know, there's like uh... kind of the intimidation of like, I don't want to disappoint them or like, you know, I don't know, do, do something that will just like totally alienate them or, you know, just let them down. Mm -hmm. um, but it is different when it's something where, you're like, well, everybody knows this IP. Like, it's sort of like a chance to let the whole world down. Like, that's, oh, you know, that's no. definitely intimidating. Um, so you just kind of have to, like, give yourself a little breath to live with that and then move past it or you'll never get anything done. Um, <laughs> but generally with IP at this point, I do try to take it as, you know, when I'm doing my initial pitch, I'll just put everything I want in there. I'll go as as far as I can, I'll, I'll push whatever I want to, but still, of course, remain true to the spirit of whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of see, because with uh, IP is, you know, it's, it depends on who is protecting the license, who the, the licensee is, like all that stuff. Like you don't know exactly what level of, you know, thoughts they'll have on things. You mm -hmm. know, I've, I've written for like, uh, like Barbie, I've written for Barbie. And I remember one thing with Barbie was, um, they were like, uh, Barbie does not use slang. Like, she doesn't use modern slang. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, interesting, right? Because they don't want to, you know, date this story for, like, whatever time it's in. Like, Barbie should be timeless in a way. Like, that's totally understandable. But then it does kind of present this challenge where you're like, huh, so how do you make her talk so she still sounds kind of fresh and modern, but it's not in a way that, instantly dates it you know it's sort of this like thing you have to find um and then you kind of go back and forth and you see like how much they'll let you put push certain things and all of that so with this you know i've never done star wars before i didn't really know but they actually did give me a lot of freedom to interpret the story and to kind of like tell it the way i wanted to and i don't think there was anything that was like you know, no, this is a problem. I think the only, like the only thing was like, um, 
you know, at one there's a step in this process where they do like a like a deep lore check, which mm, I appreciate mm. because I feel like I know a lot, but obviously this is something this I this particular IP is so large and complicated and has had so many people adding to it over the years, like there are certainly things that I do not know. Um, and so like, I think that like one of the only things was they were like, um, oh yeah, you can't mention porgs. Cause I had like a reference to porgs and they're like, they don't, you know, at this point, like not enough people know about porgs. Like the planet is so isolated, you know, they haven't like gotten out yet. <laughs> like they, ah. the people necessarily know what those are enough to make this kind of casual jokey reference. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So then it became this funny thing where we were trying to think of like a creature that was like still cute, but continuity appropriate or timeline appropriate. So um, in terms of this particular story, it was mostly things like that. It, there, there weren't any things that were like given to me that were like, absolutely do not do this. Or, you know, you absolutely cannot do this. Like they were actually really open to kind of what my, um, my interpretation of this was. And since a lot of the story beats were already laid out, you know, they did want to know, like I said before, like what new things are you adding? What are the kind of new elements? What are maybe some of the new scenes, um, before I started writing, but I didn't, really feel like um restricted in any way um i actually felt like it, at least with this project that we had um a good deal of freedom to kind of interpret it the way that we wanted to and it was really fun um but yeah i think um writing ip every time i think is a little bit of a different experience and you're just kind of figuring out i guess if um you know if it's like the the sandbox metaphor you're you're playing in someone else's sandbox you're figuring out you know where the little guardrails are like mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. how much you can push up against them and what's sort of still in line with what that universe is right right and so for the stuff that you did create that was new that wasn't you um solely from the source material uh, was there anything that particularly surprised you, like characters behaving in certain ways, sort of unexpected inspirations that um, that you had as you were going through the process? Um, I think one was um, that I I got to write that scene with Boba Fett, and that was actually like a, that was an Elizabeth suggestion. She had like so many good ideas, and um, that was one where she was like, I can't remember how it originally was, but it was sort of like you know, Vader has been away from the ship and then he comes back and Aphra's like, oh, there's a message from the bounty, the bounty hunter Boba Fett and he has this information, he wants to talk to you. And so I think Elizabeth was like, you know, hey, this, this seems to indicate that there was maybe uh, an exchange between Aphra and Boba Fett and that, that might be like a really cool scene that we could see now or hear now mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's not in the comics. And I was like, oh, okay, so like that was something I I wasn't expecting. Like, I, you know, I like Boba Fett. I'm not I'm not one of the sort of Boba Fett like super 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 fans. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, I have to write I have to write a scene with with Boba Fett. But I was still like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm gonna write a scene with Boba Fett. And then I think what was like sort of unexpected about that when I was writing it is like when you sort of say to yourself, now I'm going to write this scene with Boba Fett. I think I was expecting it to be like, you know, super serious and that like it would be like really intense and like this like game of, 
you know, cat and mouse. But then, you know, Afra gets in there. She always, like, she doesn't do what you tell her to. Like, no matter what. She doesn't do what you tell her to. So I feel like she, it was like, oh, no, obviously Afra would kind of want to take the piss out of him. Like, she, you know, Mm -hmm. she would kind of, like, you know, making fun of him. And then she keeps calling him Boba Man and, you know, messing up his name. And he gets kind of upset about that. And so like, I guess it was, it was unexpected to write a, a kind of comedic scene with Boba Fett where even the way he reacts is kind of comedic. Um, That was definitely not something I would have ever expected to do. (laughs) He was the perfect straight man for that. Like there was no break whatsoever. And Afra just completely rolled all over him. It was hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of comedy, we've mentioned him a couple of times in the conversation. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about Triple Zero. So, <laughs> so uh, he obviously is a tremendous source of comedic material. And I imagine that that's really fun on the one hand, but I also imagine that there's a risk with that too, to, you know, not go, you know, too far over the top of that. Can you talk a little bit about writing for triple zero? Because you also got the opportunity to write additional material for him as well. Yeah. And triple zero is a really great character, not just because he's just, you know, at the core, a great character, but also for this, because a lot of times um, what we were sort of having to do with uh, things we would add to scenes that already existed was it was like, okay, now there's like for audio, there's maybe too long of a break. So we need a little bit more dialogue or we need something to explain what's going on since you can't see it. You don't have the visual of the comic um, or just for rhythm's sake. We need a couple more exchanges here between him and Afra. And he was just kind of the gift that kept giving because he <laughs> always has these like horrible one-liners that are... Um, surprisingly easy to come up with it's just because he really he's a you know he's a droid of extremes he really hates organics and so you can just kind of riff on that forever you know he has like a million things he can say that all come back to this idea that he really hates organics (laughs) and you know thinks that droids are superior and so that you know he was just a lot of fun um i think i think as as far as like um like going over the top that was something and again this is something that now I kind of try to do with IP where I'll just push it as far as I can and I you know they'll tell me if I need to pull back and so that's kind of what I did like whenever he had to say something it just had to be like the most horrible like (laughs) disgusting like you know he's always trying to like kill people or let people let Afro know that he wants to kill people and how excited he would be if he got to do some some murder and (laughs) so um so I think that was that was just fun you know I never I never felt like he was going too far because I feel like there's he's a character where there's kind of not a way to go too far like all of the things he's already said that are already in canon are so horrible there's really (laughs) I don't think there's really a way to like top that um and I think the challenge is just making sure that he's not kind of repeating himself too much. You know, it's sort of like um, I've also gotten to write uh, Clueless um, for the, I, the comic book that was like a continuation of the movie Clueless. Ah. And with that, like the, the sort of like the way that those characters say things is so 
key to what that IP is, right? To what that movie is. The language is like almost another character. And so, you know, my I, I wrote that with my friend um, Amber Benson, and we kept saying like, okay, like we can't just end every page with her saying as if, because then it becomes <laughs> this sort of, you know, weird cliche that you're just falling back on every, even though it's something she says. And so with Triple Zero, it was like, okay, like how many times can he call people meat bags like yeah. how many times can you say like you know i think the the alt for that was i was like how about um blood filled flat sacks of flesh or something like that and it sounds so gross and i think i even put a comment in where i was like if this is too disgusting we can make it something else <laughs> but um but they were like no no cool no that's something he would totally say so with him i think it's just like mixing up the, the terms he uses to be his murderous self that is maybe the, the challenge. Well, that is awesome. I love this. <laughs> Sarah, I'm, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time out of your day to have the conversation with yeah. me and for you to share all this awesome stuff with our <laughs> listeners and viewers. Uh, for anybody who wants to learn more about you and your work and what you might be up to coming up next, whether it's Star Wars or whether it's your own stuff, where should people follow you where should people discover more about you online yes thank you and thanks for having me and i feel like uh, we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that triple zero is voiced by sean keenan who is very amazing mm -hmm. and i know he and nick martorelli the producer worked really hard to like come up with that voice like what because it was such an anticipated voice and i think like we were like does he sound i mean does he sound just like anthony daniels or is it like a little bit different or like is his voice deeper? Like, what is it? And I felt yes, like what, yes. what they came up with and what Sean did was like really perfect. And I'm so happy to see people like taking, taking note of that. Um, so I just wanted to mention him, uh, since we talked about triple zero, but, um, yeah, yes. you can find me, uh, online. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. It's just Sarah Kuhn. It's my name on Instagram. I'm Sarah Kuhn books. And uh, my website, which probably needs to be updated, is heroinecomplex.com. That's heroin like superheroin, not like the drug. It's the title of my first book. Um, and, yeah, those are where you can usually find me. Awesome. And I will link to all of those in the show notes as well so everybody can find them readily. Sarah, thank you so much for thank the time. You. Thank you for the insights. Thank you for the laughs. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> And there you go. That is my conversation with Sarah Kuhn, the author of the Dr. Afra audio drama, also the Heroin Complex novels, and a host of other projects. So check her out. Again, Twitter is Sarah Kuhn, K-U-H-N, and heroincomplex.com for her website. One last note is to say thank you to our friends at Audible, and I hope you will check out sw7x7.com slash audible for a free trial and a free audiobook download, which could well be the Dr. Afra audio drama, but there are also a whole host of Star Wars items to check out there and non-Star Wars items because, you know, you can't live by Star Wars alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seems crazy to say, but it is true. Anyway, again, sw7x7.com slash audible for your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download. And that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.